Thanks for listening to our episode today. I wanted to give you a quick heads up. There is a very brief mention of suicide in this episode. Hello and welcome to Favourite Friends. My name is Marion Wright. I'm your host for this podcast and I'm really, really excited to bring you today's episode. It is an interview with an incredible lady named Winnie Numata. You might have read her story in the latest edition of the Favourite magazine, but we're going to go into just a little bit more detail than we did in that story. She's warm and kind and strong and funny and so full of faith. I know she's going to encourage you so much and we're going to tell her story in two parts as well because there is a lot of it, but we'll start here. Here's Winnie. Winnie Numata, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to Favourite Friends. So, um... We're going to talk a bit about your story. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about your article in Favourite Magazine out now, icechurch.com or your local campus. But um, we're talking all about purpose, which is something that you and I had an, an initial conversation about. Yes, when, we did. Yes, when we wrote the article. And I love your story because there's a lot of story, you know, <laughs> in the article. Um, you know, I wrote about the fact that you're 60. There's, it's a lot of living you know, and so we covered a lot of ground. So I actually want to start your story about maybe about 40 years ago when you're in Samoa and you were dreaming about a life back then. Take me back there. What were you, what were you thinking about? What were you dreaming about? Right. That's a long, long time ago. (laughs) 40 years ago, back home in Samoa, in the islands. I think, yes, I remember, I think when we were, because we used to have, my dad was a planter. Mm -hmm. So he had a a massive plantation of taro and bananas, all sorts of food crops in there. So we used to go and help him weed and, and, you know, even if I don't, if you don't like it, you're going on a Saturday. That was our weekend. (laughs) That was our outing. We go to the plantation, do the weeding. And, you know, and that's where I guess, you know, when you're a little girl growing up and you're dreaming, all this is, well, you do see pictures in magazines and stuff and on TV and I would love to go there, you know, have a big house and see all those things that you see, you know, that's happening overseas and just, yeah. So I guess from there you kind of, yeah. And I never dreamt that you know that day will come or that you will be you know you're not wheel you're not be forever weeding weeds in the <laughs> in the plantation and yeah so I remember you saying that you always dreamt about helping people and you always dreamt about yes yeah. it was always um when I was in school when I was in a high school and in college um back home it was um I've always had a heart to help. Uh, I don't know. I would still always feel drawn to a profession that will, that that kind of like you know a caring kind of 
profession, I suppose. Um, and, um, yeah, but I ended up actually just doing, like, nine months working in a bank as my first job when I left because I wanted the money and that was available, so I took it. But I didn't really – I hated it because it was an office kind of job and it wasn't really what I wanted. So, yeah, so when the scholarship presented itself to study overseas, um, I got the nursing one, but I really wanted to be a doctor. But obviously it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> and so I took the nursing scholarship and, um, yeah, and ended up in New Zealand studying nursing back in a long time ago, 1978 to wow. 70, 1977. Yeah. Yes. Did you always feel like you wanted to help people? I um, always did, yes. Really? Was, yes. I always had, I don't know, it was just always in me. I'm always drawn to helping people that are less fortunate me I suppose or just I was always drawn to that yes that's awesome so you went to New Zealand how old were you when I went to New Zealand I was 19 and you got a scholarship yes yeah so yes and how long were you studying I was there for three years studying nursing and then I went back to Samoa for like 10 months and then I went to Sydney what was it like? You moved to New Zealand by yourself. Yes, I did. What was it like leaving everything that you knew behind to go to a different country to yeah. study? Yes, um, I was excited. You know, as a young person, I was excited. I was going, it was like an adventure going somewhere, somewhere away from home. It's like every other young woman or young person, you know, it's just that excitement of the adventure. And I was never fearful. I wasn't fearful. Really? Yeah, no, I wasn't. I don't know That's why. Amazing. I know. And I went, I knew that there wasn't going to be any family for me. At that time, I did have brothers who live in Christchurch, but. Um, I, well, that's not where I was heading. I was actually heading to Auckland and they flew from Auckland to Wellington and from Wellington down to the South Island in a little place called Greymouth on the west side of um, of the island that really, that's not where my family live. They live in Christchurch. So, yes, uh, it wasn't until I actually got to New Zealand to Auckland and I missed my flight to Wellington that yeah. I realised, oh, okay, but somehow I, I got there. Yeah, wow. And I remember you saying the last time we talked, um, you said that New Zealand was sort of where you had your first encounter with Jesus. Is that right? That is correct. Tell me more about that. I had my first encounter with Jesus when I was 20. Um, And I I actually was visiting my family in Christchurch on one weekend and um, my sister-in-law invited us, me and my other sister, to a to a Pentecostal service that she was visiting. So I went along and that was my first, um, from that first visit, I was actually saved in that first visit. Amazing. Yes. Because in, in Samoa, you did have some yes. knowledge of God. Yes, you, absolutely. There was a church yes. routine that, you know, yeah. was in place, but this was your first really yes. encounter. Yes, that was actually my first encounter with God was in New Zealand because in Samoa, everyone knows who God is knows has college you know they do have a knowledge about who he is but I don't there's a lot of people don't I don't really think have any I've never had an encounter with who God really is because yeah. it's very religious church going people in Sa- yeah. our, our people in Samoa you grew up there you know no other life but to go to church on Sunday I was yeah. actually a Sunday school teacher wow. uh, yes yeah. it's a very okay. traditional church I, I guess equivalent to our um, like the Uniting Church you know, it's a Protestant 
church so that um, that I grew up. So we all knew the Bible stories. That was one good thing I got from mm. <laughs> was that we all knew the the Bible stories of all the Old Testament and the New Testament. We all we knew every, we knew our Bible. We knew every story because that's we were tested on the stories. You now all, all the stories in the Bible. We were you know the main stories like David and Goliath, everything Moses and. So that was a good, I guess, foundational start, even though I didn't have an encounter, but obviously it was preparation for bigger things to come later. So when when you had this moment where you experienced the presence of God, you got saved, did that line up with everything that you knew about God or was it something else completely? Um, well, it was something. It was completely different. I think the knowing and the actual having that encounter and really knowing it in your heart. So the head knowledge, knowing and the knowing in your heart, I, I, for me, was quite different. Uh, I was, you know, the the knowing in your heart was was so life transforming for me. It like my whole life and priorities changed and everything was different perspective. You know. Uh, just, it was different. It was it was a transformational change for me, and yeah, it was. I was like a lovesick person, really. Yeah, I love <laughs> and that. That's you said all that. that I was thinking yeah. of, you know. Yeah. And I played worship music, and yes, it was just beautiful. It was beautiful. It was lovely. It was just like that encounter with God that just just changes you. Yeah. At twenty, and I know this is a long time <laughs> ago. Long time now, ago. <laughs> was there? any moment for you where you said your priorities changed um even back then were you thinking about purpose at all at 20 I it was I didn't really know exactly what but I knew that I didn't I wanted to um I I knew that my life was about following God and that you know my that my purpose was in there specifically what it is I did not know back then no. You went back to Samoa, is that right? Yes. For uh, a period yes. of time? Yes. Yeah. And then t- tell me what happened after that. So I went back to Samoa and then I was there for 10 months and I wanted to leave again. <laughs> I didn't really want it. Um, well, money, you know, the rate of pay back home was, um, wasn't really as good. So I applied... Um, that's when I then moved to Australia. I applied for a, a visa here. Um, under their skill migration or whatever, and um, yeah, and I was able to to get a job. I was accepted into that um, Royal Prince Alfred in Sydney. Yeah, so that was my first job, and I was able to get into the nurses' home there. So again, I I went to another place that I knew nobody, and um, yes, yeah. you moved to Australia. You met your husband. In the airport. At the airport, yes. Yes, tell me about that. Oh, okay. So my auntie in summer, I had a friend here that was going to pick me up and then drop me off at the nurse's home in Camperdown in Sydney um, where I was staying. But, however, the, the person didn't arrive at the airport. So here I was, I arrived there, and there was no one to pick me up. But the, um, my husband's mum, I didn't know, <laughs> was actually on the same flight as me. So we got, you know, we chatted and that. So when we got there, and then, you know, she realised there was no one picking me up. So, and uh, But her son and his her family were there to pick me up. Uh, sorry, to pick her up. 
which ended up they gave me a lift back um, to their place until the family that was going to pick me up arrived. And, um, yeah, so it was just like I think it was love at first sight. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what it was. So beautiful. Yes, when I saw him there, he had this massive afro. Did he really? <laughs> yes. yes. And so that was it. Really? Awesome. That's how it all started. Yeah. yeah. The afro is the secret. The afro. That's <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> so you moved to Australia, you started working as a nurse. You have been a nurse for 40 years now. I have been. Is that yes, right? it will be 41 years this year. Amazing. Mm. Absolutely amazing. Um, I want to read something that all you said to me and that I wrote for the article. You said that the thing about nursing is that we end up treating people for a lot more than their physical ailments. I think I've always just had this eye that sees the need and over time I've just learned to respond to that need and say yes. How do you see that need? What does what does God show you? I don't know, but I always seem to have this incredible um, feeling of heaviness like in my heart. Like there's always I always feel burdened for something. And um, yeah, and as I'm grow and you know, as I'm getting older I'm getting better at <laughs> interpreting the burden and which you know I'm it's always from God you know that there, there is something mm. that need there's a need mm. so yeah and just eyes to to see what that need is and there's so much when around. when you were working you were saying that you started working with some youth in Waycole yes. and that was when you first started noticing that there was stuff that God was pointing out to you yes what was that like um, when I was working there, with a, I um, did a stint there for I think I was there very briefly, only for about four weeks, just um, for kids that are actually in the remand centre. I think it's a juvenile detention centre. That's what it wow. is at Wakel. Mm. Yeah, so it's just um, you just feel burdened by the hopelessness that you do see in there in such young lives, and um, and you know that you've got the answer. You know, <laughs> it's like because yeah, they're not yes. dealing with simple things. No, complex a, yes. stories, complex, complex stories. Yes, yeah. of kids coming from really some, you know, some very dysfunctional family. Um, you know, social issues are just so complex with such young minds and young hearts to deal with, and you know, they end up over there in detention centre and they just, a lot of them are all repeat offenders, you know, and and some just do it just to, I guess, to get a safe place to sleep and get a meal for the day and they just do another, commit another offence just to get back in there. So it's, yeah, it's it's just lives that look so, you know, no, no hope. Well, we just want to let you know something very important coming up in the calendar is our Favour Women's Conference starting on Friday the 27th of July. We want to invite you to come together with all the girls right across Australia and even Mumbai and we're going to really press into God. It's going to be very powerful, very practical and I'd love to see you there. It could be a very normal human response to meet people like that and to see lives like that and say, I, I don't know. I have no idea how to help you. I have no idea yes. what to offer you. What can we do when we find ourselves in those situations? 
it's, it's very easy because you, you can become overwhelmed with the need and not do anything. I mean, even I myself have done that, you know, when you see that and you just kind of thought, well, where do you start? You know, and you say, okay, God, maybe later, not now. I, I <laughs> mean, know? I do that and I work with young <laughs> yes. people like this and I think, God, what do I possibly have, yes. you know, that I could offer this person? Yes. But, you know, you're, I'm, you're, I'm always reminded of scripture, you know, about the hope that we have in God, in mm. Jesus, that, you know, with God, nothing is impossible. And, the, mm. you know, that we're called to love people. If you don't have anything else, just start with what you already have in your hand, whether oh, that be praying fantastic. for the person or just, just loving the person. You know, I've come across <clears throat> a young girl who was just involved in some kind, you know, just getting confused with who she is, you know, what her sex identity is and and stuff like that. You know, it's not really, sometimes it's not really a time to give a, a lecture or, you know, a moral stand on such issues, but just loving the person. I just took her down to say, are you hungry? And she said, yes, so I just took her down to Macca's, bought her something to eat, you know. And if they want to talk, then they will talk. But, you know, but just building that sort of a trusting relationship trying to connect somewhere where they you know have a common ground at the time and usually it's just the basic needs of love and something to eat start from there and leave it to god you know we sow the the seed and step out and obedient is <laughs> the one that will make a way you know maybe you're the one that's starting that connection someone else will pick up somewhere and you know we never know we there's a lot of things that we do that we never know you talk about having a burden. You felt burdened. And when we spoke last time, I remember I was saying to you that I hate I hate this idea of a burden because I think sometimes for <laughs> it's me... It's a negative word. Yes, yes. because even, you know, for someone like me who's gone into a profession that's also a caring one, like teaching... Mm. You do. You feel burdened. Um, you feel burdened for them. Sometimes you feel burdened by them. And I think that we can often look at a burden being quite negative and yes. it's really heavy and it's something that weighs us down, but you don't see it like that. No, I see it as a, um, it, it's a divine way of showing us or, or, you know, telling us because if we're not burdened, then we just go around happy, you know, doing our own stuff, you know, dealing with our own stuff, our own families and living life just like everyone else. But I think burden, being burdened with something is a good thing. It's kind of like, you know, okay, there's a divine assignment <laughs> that well, God wants someone to step in and, um, you know, and be his... Um, hands and feet in that situation yeah yeah it's I think it's totally the opposite to the way that we think about being bogged down with something you know or to feel the weight of even a calling we we don't like the weight that's sometimes associated with it because it Mm. makes us feel uncomfortable and it makes us feel like we don't always have a choice in the matter but I love the way that you look at that where yeah it's about the assignment it's about the assignment yeah and you know he um he, he won't. He'll never call us to something that that he won't resource us to do it. So, uh, of course, over time, that is something that I've learned because you know um, where you know when you're burdened with something and you think 
I've got to do it all on my own strength, which is then you become overwhelmed and, you know, and then you say, no, too hard, God, too hard, not not now. But, you know, um, I've learned to, when that happens, that it's okay. So, you know, he's burdened your heart with something because his burden is light according to the Bible. So, you know, it's a way of him letting us know there's a divine assignment waiting and I want someone to step in, you know, and open your eyes, look around and, you know, there is something that I want you to do. And, you know, and he'll resource it and he'll deal with it. We just do our bit, whatever we had got in our hand to, to just one step at a time and we'll probably fall back and stand up and dust ourselves off and try again. Have you ever felt like that where God has said, okay, Winnie, I want you to reach out to this person that you've come across in your day and you've just thought, I don't know what to do. I feel overwhelmed. Many times, actually, yes. Many times, um, and 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 many times that does happen. You know, where you just kind of feel, well, I don't know, God. You know, she just seems stagnant. <laughs> Nothing is going forward. You know, we're circling the same mountain somehow. You know, and and uh, I know you said that sometimes when you feel like you have treated every physical thing yes. that the person's presented with then you've actually reached out to people and said, do you want me to pray for you? Oh, absolutely. I Which have. Which is incredible. And you've done <laughs> many that times. at work. Uh, many times and I have. And you've gotten yes. in trouble for that yes. at work. Yes, because Political correctness yes. in the workforce is a big thing. Yes. Yes, but it's a risk that, um, it's a good risk yes. for me. And so <laughs> tell me about this time where you were asked to, well, you know, you weren't asked to, you just mm. felt to pray for yes. a colleague of yours. Um, who was depressed, was that yes. right? She had experienced uh, some... Yes, um, a lady at work, she has witnessed someone committed suicide mm. um, where they just jumped off mm. um, and, you know, she died. And um, she witnessed it, even though she doesn't know the person, but she did witness it and that was enough to... She got really... It really affected, but she never... Um, she, went, she never went for counselling and she just dealt with it in her own way. But then I think over... Um, I think it was Christmas, probably another year later, and she realised that that's, she wasn't really enjoying Christmas anymore. She just didn't look forward to anything like that. And um, she doesn't really open up much to people. It was just one morning we were just doing our usual work, answering phone calls, and then, um, yeah, and she, she, she mentioned it and how she got to that point. So I just said to her, look, do you want me? Can I pray? I'm a Christian. Can I pray for you? She said, yes, go for it. <laughs> I think she was desperate at the point at that time, which I did. I prayed for her. It was just a simple prayer. Nothing happened in the room, <laughs> nothing. Um, but then the next two days later, I met her again in the ward and it was a clinic day and she was she was a different person. She was. She had the radio going in the clinic. She had decorations up, Christmas decorations up. She was just a different person, yeah. So I asked her, is everything okay? And she said, yes, you know, that prayer worked. So, Winnie, I think just, there's um, so many of us who want to reach out to the people, you know, we work with and uh, want to be able to pray for people that we work with and respond to need, but we can get really terrified of, you know, whether or not the person says, no, I don't want to be prayed for or um, how you'll be seen 
as as a result of it. I used to. I think yeah. always the first time when you step out to do something, yeah. you know, you, you will be fearful and you do. But I think as you keep doing it, it just somehow, you know, you just just the Holy Spirit just takes over and you just ask. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so because, yeah, I used to. There's a lot. I've done a lot of growth and I'm still growing. <laughs> I haven't arrived. I don't think any of us will arrive. But, you know, you just ask and um and then it's up to the person but I always feel that if I don't present the opportunity or giving them that opportunity then they'll never hear of it but you know surprisingly just about actually everybody I've asked said yes and I guess people are at their vulnerable time in hospital yeah and um they're they're sick and some of them are in very desperate situations and I you know when you come with something that's different you know different from medical the usual medical stuff, people will usually say yes. And it's all, you know, and people too can see, you know, if you do have a genuine heart that's caring and just wanting to reach out to their desperate thing, they will respond. Yes. You have related this idea of being burdened um, and being open to the divine assignment. Um, You've related that idea to what you see purpose as. So tell me how you define purpose for yourself and for your life. Um, well, I define purpose as in Ephesians 2.10, where it says that um, God has created us in Christ Jesus, that we are God's handiwork um, in Christ Jesus, and that he has created us for um, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And for me, that is purpose. So God has already prepared good works for us. And I'm not saying that, you know, we live by good works. It's just I always feel that good works, God's good works that he's prepared for us, those good works just kind of like it's a it's an outflow of being saved. When we're saved and truly born again um, and you're in love with this person, everything else just seems to flow out of that. So it's not that we're doing a good work so that, you know, I then become acceptable or pleasing to God. It's just the good works is comes as a result of, of, of falling in love and having that encounter with God that, you know, and just being amazed at God's amazing grace and all the rest, that, that you just couldn't, it's just like part of your life and it's just like this different path that you then take and just having eyes that open to um, having those, see there's all these good works wherever we are, whatever season in life we're in. Um, for example, like I was a mother, <laughs> A young mother with a young family, and I see that work. That is God's good work. That He's blessed us with children, and it's my good works is to God's good work in that is that to see that those children brought up in His ways, and and you know, and and um, just investing in the marriage. That is all good works. That and that was my purpose for that season, and then you know you. You go to work and that is, there's lots of good works to do at work other than your own actual work. But there's a lot, you know, it's all part of God's work. But there's always having that eye out for divine assignments at work, you know. Being good representation of God at work is good works that is already purposed for you to do that. So wherever you're at.
for listening today to Favourite Friends. I hope you loved part one of Winnie's story. If you thought that was good, wait till you hear part two. Winnie's husband was very sick a few years back and hearing her talk about grief and loss and finding purpose in pain is not just inspiring, but so moving and so faith filling and we're going to bring that to you in a couple of weeks so look out for that soon and hey if you don't already make sure you follow us at favor.women on instagram to keep up to date with everything that's happening in the life of the women at ic church and make sure you visit www.icchurch.com for more information thanks for listening we'll see you next time